conductive wire And you were so electric I had no say when you came so near And just passed right through me Previously on Welcome to Geekdom, I was joined by Becky Rice, Shane Connard, and Nick Ball to talk about the first season of Lost. We talked about which characters we did like, which ones we did not like. They laughed at me because they knew what was coming and I did not, which is perfectly fine. But today we have Shane Connard and Nick Ball joining me once again. Becky was not able to make it, but she did have some thoughts. So let's just knock those out right here. She hates Jack. She hates Caden Sawyer, and she loves Desmond. The end. <laughs> Season two summed up. <laughs> so, Nick and Shane, how are you both doing today? Good. How are you doing? Good. I'm great. <laughs> I'm doing great. <laughs> Thank you for having us back. Thank you for telling me to watch this show, and we'll <laughs> pretend at this point I'm not in my annoyed state that I am in after watching season three. <laughs> I, I don't understand your reaction to season three, but we will, we will get there. We'll get there. We will get there next episode, which will be in two episodes technically, but <laughs> you all have to wait for that because today is just season two and we have a lot to talk about in particular with some new characters joining up. You know, we have Michelle Rodriguez coming in as Anna Lucia, who I don't think any of us particularly enjoy as a character. No. Nope. <laughs> See, we can agree on things, guys. <laughs> we finally get Bernard. Love Bernard. Do not ask me who plays Bernard, though, because I did not come prepared with names. <laughs> it's, uh... Nope, me either. <laughs> Didn't write that one down. And we have a couple key guest spots by Katie Seagal as Helen and DJ Qualls as... <laughs> Curly's friend. I don't know what his name is in the show, but I know it's DJ Qualls. <laughs> he's still the new guy to me, no matter what. Just anything he's in, he's he's the new guy from the movie The New Guy. Are there any other big characters that we're really forgetting about? Are you I mean, I know serious? I, I know you have some other tale people who end up yeah. you know, there's what, four of them left? Well wait, wait. Well Did we say Desmond yet? You- <laughs> No, that's, that's what I'm getting at. We haven't talked about Des. I know we're only starting this, but if you're saying talking about new characters, Desmond, come on. Desi down the hatch. Desi down the hatch. I guess for some reason I thought we saw him in the hatch at some point in season one, but I guess not. No. No, season two starts with uh, with him do- like listening to the song. What's the song he's listening to? So let's get right into it. Yeah, what a what a great opener. Yeah, this show is in- this show has the best season openers yeah that's something that stays pretty strong throughout it so correct me if i'm wrong he, he wakes up and he goes through his his morning ritual without you seeing his face at all yes and mm-hmm. you 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 get the uh you get the hatch being opened uh, sirens going off something like that D- and he's like doing the he's like injecting the shots in it, like his you know what i'm talking about yeah, doing pull-ups or something. Yeah, lifting weights. He's hat, doing all sorts of stuff. Routine. And then we get that that series of flashbacks from Jack that episode, and he meets meets a, a fella, a, a nice Scottish fella, when he's working out, and we get that reveal at the end of the episode. Or is it is it the end of the episode, or is it episode two that we get the reveal that it's Desmond in the hatch? 
that is revealed in episode two. I guess that's why I thought we saw Desmond before mm. season two, because I guess I thought that flashback had happened sooner, but it happened when he was, when Jack was saving Sarah, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. See, my brain is all confused because when I binge watch things, it's just like, I watch these things. Don't ask me what <laughs> order anything happened in. <laughs> and I still have not rewatched any of this and I'm going off of purely memory. So... I've actually watched that season opener like three times now, and I still am like mixing up info, so that's okay. Yeah, and it takes us until episode seven to really get introduced to all of the people who were in the tail end of the plane that separated and landed elsewhere. And I think this was a little jarring for me because we're spending an entire episode with characters we don't really care about at the moment. And obviously, then you have Mr. Echo, too. He's the other tail person I was spacing on. Oh, yeah. Echo's important. Are you talking about the the other 48 days episode? Yeah. Yeah, it's like they went and started back at day one and then went through like the first month and a half, I think, or so with the tail people. Yes. I thought that was so neat. And that that episode flies by for me. I, I don't know. I think it's great. I agree up until you realize just how little any of these characters, like, I don't know. Because only like four of them matter for the entire season. And out of the four of them that matter the entire season, it's like. You only like one? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's not true. I like, I like three. Okay. I I don't have a problem with Bernard. I, I like Libby. Yeah. Big Libby fan. Yeah. Yeah, I just, Libby's <laughs> great. You just want her to be more fleshed out. And then, and then, spoiler, she dies. <laughs> yeah, I remember texting the Lost Chat about this. And I was like, you know what? They never wrapped up the Libby storyline. And I'm a little upset about it. I think, you know, Mr. Echo is kind of the most complex character out of all of them, simply mm-hmm. because he lasts longer than everyone but Bernard. And we don't see enough of Bernard really to like have as much of an attachment to him, I would say. And Mr. Yeah. Echo's uh, backstory is the only one out of any of the four of them that's weaved into this thing with his connection to the plane that right. went down with the Virgin yep. Mary dolls filled with the, the heroin. Yep. Which you get a lot of that, but you still it still doesn't really ever play itself out enough for me. I don't know. The coincidence of him being on a plane. Do they really explain why he's on the plane in the first place on in the tail section? I think because he's got two flashback episodes, I believe. And I think I think it's a second one does. I don't. Remember. Yeah, it, 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 it goes into it for a second. Uh, yeah, but it's not rem- it's not memorable enough for me to be like, yeah, that was fleshed out. Yeah. <laughs> He was That's the one character from the tail section who almost felt like he could have an entire show of his own and it would be entertaining. Yeah. I would watch that show. Yep. And I, I know we all don't really care for Anna Lucia, but she does play a pretty big role in this because she is another person who is good at shooting things, you know, maybe not the <laughs> right things, but, you know, she has this role of kind of being the outsider, even though they were all survivors of this thing together. And you really get this feeling that there's more to her character, but then it sort of ends before it really gets too far. (laughs) 
<laughs> but I think that's yeah. okay for her character. It's less annoying than it is, you know, when we don't get the rest of Libby's story. Yes. And also she's a cop, so nobody cares. Also she's a cop. I didn't say it. <laughs> I was just thinking it. Well, she's a disgraced cop. Let's let's specify here. Yeah, she's the worst. <laughs> Aren't they all? Um yeah, if last episode I complained about Charlie's guitar. This episode. <laughs> Can we get a, a season two Charlie's guitar update from you, Shane? Yes, please. We don't really get much of Charlie's guitar in season two. That doesn't come back again until like, you get a little bit of it when he's on the beach again. And he's just, yeah, I don't know. I have more on Charlie's guitar, but let's wait till season three where okay. I get really upset. <laughs> I get really upset about Charlie's guitar in season three. Me too. This season he put down the guitar and pick, picked up the Virgin Mary doll. <laughs> yes but on the note of charlie he has a very interesting story arc this season in comparison to i think a lot of the other characters because in season one we saw him get clean we saw him sort of get his life together and he's helping take care of aaron but then in this season he's kind of spiraling and they don't make it perfectly clear at first, whether or not he relapsed. And I think that works well because you see that he has, you know, the little statues with all of the heroin in them. And he is trying to use as much willpower as he possibly has to not crack one open. And then you have the whole story with Mr. Echo that kind of brings it all back to that specifically. And then he steals the baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had to talk about Charlie stealing the baby. Yeah. I don't really get the point of that in particular because it was a very weird turn for his character for me. Yeah, I think it was just it trying to show like the full descent of Charlie's kind of, I don't know, the, the dip in his in his entire arc there. And I feel like that's just like the worst thing he could do while still on the island while already they've already been like, yeah, he's a drug addict. <laughs> What else right. can he do? Yeah, and then the episode right after, he knocks out Sun. Yeah, oh, that's right, yeah. And goes along with Sawyer's kind of crazy plan. When there's, like, no indication prior to this that Charlie would want anything to do with Sawyer's crazy plan. Yeah. But it works. It does. Doesn't make me happy, but it works. Yeah, I, in my brain, it's just like, yeah, like like you were saying, it's just a an area of the whole series that is a low point for Charlie, and that's all I remember. I don't remember his motivation for any of it. I don't either. Yeah. Already, <laughs> those are those those are those episodes where Charlie's bad in my, in my head. Yeah, like there's well, there's that whole. It's actually that, that scene's awesome. Where he's, uh, I think it's episode twelve, where when he's playing the piano, and then he thinks the piano's in the ocean, and then he hears the baby crying, and then the next thing you see is just he's standing in the middle, like he's yeah. like standing in the ocean with the baby completely confused that is a good scene yeah i mean i guess that's his entire motivate like that is their reveal of charlie's motivation is just like the the drugs made him do it and there's also yeah. some other things going on in his brain that are yeah so also you know maybe the island made him do it maybe <laughs> you know the island want the island wants what it wants yeah. It sure does. And one of the other big characters we get this season, and I think it's mostly the back half of the season, is Henry, who is not Henry, as we come to find out later. <laughs> Let's talk about 
not Henry. I, I think we should mention a little bit uh, at the beginning of the season. They they get into the hatch. They meet Desmond, and yes. now the hatch is is a part of. It's one of their resources, like the caves and the beach. It's it's one of one of the main settings. You've got food. You've got a washing machine. You've got a shower. It becomes one of the homes of all of these characters. Yeah, and I will want to talk more about Desmond specifically towards the end of the episode because he has a much bigger role in season three. So I think that'll kind of be a good place to close up season two, even though he's in the beginning of season two. I am doing things in weird orders, but Henry is sort (laughs) of a catalyst for this season, I would say, and a lot of what happens by the end of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... I'm pretty sure I read this on Wikipedia or something. Um, wasn't he originally only cast for like three episodes or, or so as just Henry Gale? Maybe this is new information for you all. Uh, I think he was only cast as a few, for a few episodes and then they were like, ah, we're going to make him a mainstay. We're going to. And then he just kind of becomes the main antagonist from there, even though he is kind of the main antagonist, like halfway as of halfway through the season. He kind of carries that role out. That is new information to me, but I'm not surprised to learn that uh, the writers were just kind of figuring it out. As they <laughs> <told>. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. And I like that it's actually Danielle who catches him, and it's just like, yeah. here you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't want him. Yeah. You can have him. <laughs> that's like a theme, too, in this show. <laughs> like, <laughs> Danielle catches somebody and then is just like, well, I don't, I don't want anything to do with it, even though I caught him. <laughs> <laughs> well, she has so many traps. I mean, she's more likely to catch people than anyone else at this point. <laughs> <I know. laughs> it's Yeah, it's kind of fascinating that those two have never crossed paths in the whole time that Danielle has been on the island. Well, they, they have. We just don't know this yet until season three. <laughs> this is right. season three. Talk here. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I I just mean like she wasn't like, hey, this guy is the leader of the others. Yeah. Here you go. It's just I guess so. But if she knew that, then she'd be like, also, he says that he's my daughter's father. R- right. No, I'm yeah. I <laughs> I'm just like at this point they've been on the island for like fifty days and, and they're getting to the point where we're we're about to meet all the others. Yeah. And she's been there for how many years? And she's just 16. like thinks they're like a force in the jungle still. Yeah, that's true. Well, yeah, don't don't rely on this show to like <laughs> fill in the blanks for you. I have quickly learned that. <laughs> yeah, it's only gonna get worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when not Henry appears, we have the torture scene with Saeed, and that doesn't work Oof. very well. And you start to see how manipulative Henry can be as well, because they do let him out to eat whatever the cereal is that they have there. And he's kind of pitting Jack and Locke against each other, which I think is roughly around the point where I started to not like Jack as much, because it wasn't necessarily that I really, really liked Locke at this point either. It was just like... Why are you being this much of a jerk for absolutely no reason? <laughs> yeah, that I feel like I always go back and forth on between my like who do I dislike more at the time, Jack or Locke? Yes, absolutely. And the answer and... is usually Jack. <laughs> yeah, is that what you were about to say, Nick? 
Yes. And <laughs> for a few seasons, you know, it, it kind of splits the narrative of what these survivors are going to do between what Jack wants to do and what Locke wants to do. And Henry Gale is kind of the blow up force out of, I mean, it, it was there in season one, but he is pitting them against each other in a way that I think really moves the entire series forward. Um, those scenes where he's doing his little mind games in the hatch in between interrogations are so good. And he's such a little creep. I, every time I see his face with those green bruises, I, I just get the willies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you get the willies. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just more of me reading useless facts on, uh, on Wikipedia. In 2016, Rolling Stone named him the... I'm trying to f- fact check myself here. Rolling Stone ranked him the number one of their 40 greatest TV villains of all time. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. Very interesting, since he's just a guy who got lost in the jungle when he was on a hot air balloon. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, up until you get the creepy reveal of, like, when Saeed decides to... they they So, Henry gives them the directions to the hot air balloon in which he says he crashed in with his wife, and finds this grave that he says is his wife's grave. And Saeed's just like, you know what? I dug it up. And guess what? I found something in that grave, but it wasn't your wife. It was a dude named Henry Gale. That scene and the scene, I I think it's when he sends them off to look for the parachute, when he hints that if he was one of the others, he would have just sent them on a trap. Yep. Those are, those are two of my favorite scenes of the season and the series really just he, he's so good at the little weaselly fuck that he is <laughs> uh, I, I, I sorry i never did this can i curse on this show yes um, okay um yeah i learned because i listened to becky last week <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's fine i get asked that a lot no i've just always wanted to ask if i can curse on the podcast <laughs> it's one of my favorite parts of listening to podcasts <laughs> so what's the general census on how we feel about Saeed this season? Because I feel like he's been one of the more consistent characters aside from his whole relationship rendezvous thing with Shannon. <laughs> you were about to, yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say is that Saeed becomes so much more bearable <laughs> once Shannon's just fucking dead (laughs) he is such an interesting character those torture scenes are so hard to watch and so so are those relationship scenes but relationship scenes kill me yeah everyone's relationship sucks in this show (laughs) i think because of his consistency in his character and it's like you kind of know when saeed is going to hold back and not necessarily tell someone everything it makes his character more stable, I think, than the rest of them. It's like we've realized that everyone lies in this show for whatever reason. They think it's a great idea and they're all going to keep doing it, I imagine, through all six seasons. And it's going to drive me crazy. But Saeed usually has at least a logical reason for holding back information, whereas everyone else is just like, no, nah, I just didn't want to tell you. Like Anna Lucia with the map. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Saeed stays. He, uh, again, once Shannon's dead, I 
find Said to be one of my one of my favorites. I think we we talked last week uh, about. I say last week as if these are going to air in a week to week basis from each other about like the characters that we seem to like. And I, I know Nick and I were both on the on the we're, we're big fans of Jin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, I really come around now that I'm watching the show again too. I I, I realize. How how much I turn around, I come around on Saeed, and how much I end up liking him. Yeah, I th- I I think I have more trouble with him than you do, just because. But I think that's because he's a well written character that has lots of faults. But yeah, no, it's he's really a really an interesting character to follow. Yeah. So speaking of Shannon, her death comes pretty early in the season. I think it's the end of episode six, which is when, you know, they kind of collide with Anna Lucia and Sawyer and Jin and everyone trying to get back to the beach. Yes. And then we have like a, a gap because of that. Oh, hey, we're going to focus on the people who were in the tail end of the plane. And then it takes, you know, I think two more episodes to even get to Shannon's funeral. And then you kind of finally get that closure there. Yeah, and then Anna Lucia is like weirdly like passively shunned, but everybody's like, "Oh, yeah, it's that woman that killed Shannon." Yeah. <laughs> the common theme of uh it's that person that did something wrong that has warmed up to Jack and Jack has warmed up warmed up to them. Mm-hmm. And so then they're just like fine. Like, "Oh, well, Jack says they're fine, so they're probably going to be fine because Yeah, it's, none of Jack's decisions have ever turned out badly yet. Yeah. Um, no, not at all. <laughs> And Shannon's death is one of three bigger deaths, I would say. And this is where we start talking a little bit about Michael, because he is going off the walls, which I suppose as a parent seems understandable. But at the same time, he doesn't appear to enjoy being a parent at all. Yeah, I think on first watch, it was like, what the hell is going on with the decision making coming from this man? But Subsequent rewatches, it's just that that scene of him at the computer in the hatch, mm-hmm. the the it's Walt, or the, the what is he type? Is it just dad? Question mark. I think so. Into the computer. That thing is just. I understand it fucking him up and kind of ruining his decision making for the rest of the show. Yeah, because it, it what he's when Walt is on the other end. Or, you know, if it's if it's really Walt or whatever it is, it it's like it's terror. It's come. Please come get me. I can't talk right now. Uh, I, I'm going to send you these messages when I can. Meanwhile, this guy's taking any shift he can to sit and punch in the numbers every 108 minutes in between his child pleading from he- for help. <laughs> and so I, I don't know. It's It's like we talked about. Charlie waking up standing in the ocean wondering what he did it's just it's it's another character kind of losing his mind a little bit a little bit might be an understatement by the time we get to the scene <laughs> in the hatch where he starts <laughs> shooting but i think you can see the desperation in michael's eyes when he's in the hatch he's trying to get not henry back and he's just like you know i need to save my boy and i think the thing with michael's character is he didn't know how to be a father because he had 
been out of Walt's life for so long, but then losing Walt the way that he lost him kind of flipped that switch. And he was like, oh, I need to do something now. Like, this is my chance to save my son and sort of prove to him that I care enough to go through all of these crazy things to get him back. It's like the carrot being dangled in front of him of his kid once he makes his first trip out there then becomes the carrot of you will get off this island and be able to live a life with this person. And that even further just brings him down into it. Yeah. I like to look at, I don't know. I really like looking at Michael in comparison to to Locke, just because Locke spends a lot of this season talking about his purpose Mm -hmm. and like trying to figure out what that purpose is on the Island and what, you know, what is the Island saying to Locke and what is, what is he supposed to be doing? And meanwhile, Michael, who has no idea if he even wanted to be a father like when they first crash is now just like, this is my only purpose. It's the only thing I have left. And that's like his only motivation from, from here until he, yeah. Until the end of the season, especially where he just, he, he does get to leave. Right. I think Locke is a good foil to compare a lot of these characters to, because since we're talking season two, the other big, island helping me out thing is rose who mm. on the island it's revealed you know she had cancer and they're they got to the island and it's revealed that bernard is her husband and they're reunited and then i it's the end of their episode which is late in the season where she tells bernard right like just let's not try to leave let's hang out here we can make this work which is wild for season two of Lost. I don't know why you would see everything going on and say, yeah, this is fine. (laughs) (laughs) And then Bernard, on the other hand, is like, I need to make a ginormous SOS sign in the sand with these black rocks. And he does it in such a way to where nobody wants to help him. And you would think that after the reunion with Rose, he would be a little more relieved, at least, and a little more relaxed. Like, okay, my wife is fine. We're here. We have food. You know, we can do laundry. So maybe Rose does have the right idea. I I agree. I uh, I just think that perspective is so interesting in comparison to Locke, who, you know, lands and suddenly he can walk again. But his idea is not, I love the island. I'm going to hang out here. It's, I need to get to the heart of this island figure out what it wants, what it can do. And even if the cost to me and everybody around me is severe. Yeah. Again, on on the topic of Bernard, I just feel like he, once he reunites with Rose, I think his, like now that he's been given some kind of hope or at least more hope than he had, he's just like, now it's time. Now we're definitely going to get off this Island. Like I've already Mm -hmm. been given a little, I've gotten a little bit more than I thought I had. Let's just like let's let's get the whole thing. Yeah. Until until Rose is just like I'm complacent here, and then and then Bernard's just like okay, I'm also happy here. We can just be happy here. Yeah, it goes from survival mode. I I I should focus on trying to get out of here. To reuniting is such a good thing, but then it's okay. I need to make sure that we get out of here, which kind of kicks his determination up a bit, up again. But then yeah, just her saying no, don't worry about it is yep is really something. Nick, I'll ask you this since you like this character more than the rest of us, but are there any 
good Kate highlights from this season. It's like, I know she's in the season, but so much of it starts focusing on the others who were on the plane. And you have a lot of Mr. Echo in this. And there's just so many things going on. It feels like Kate's story, with the exception of, I think, one or two episodes, sort of took a backseat. I agree. I agree. I agree with your sentiment, which was we need more Kate. I understood <laughs> what you were saying completely, and I agree with it. You said Kate should be every flashback. No, yeah, you, no, you're totally right. It, it, she took a back seat. They're they're trying to hype up the love triangle between her and Jack and Sawyer, and it's not quite there, right? Yeah, if I'm remembering right. The, the, the like big thing I remember from season two with Kate is well, first of all, her murdering her abusive stepfather, right? Um, yeah, which, which, which is good, good app in my opinion. But also, like, yeah, it's just little small things. Like, it's like the first time she's able to like go take a shower in the hatch, and she has like a random and uh, like an uncomfortable encounter with Jack, and it's just because like, remember these two? Don't you want them to kiss? And you're like, no, not really. But then they do, uh, don't they? Probably. I don't know. <laughs> Nick's Nick's block those moments out. He doesn't want to have to think about it. But yeah, it really seemed like think about anybody kissing Jack. Of, of the main <laughs> characters that we sort of focused on in season one, Kate took a bit of a backseat. You have Sawyer, you know, being taken to the bunker and him, Michael and Jin are captured, and you have all of Locke's daddy issues. Mm-hmm. That's that's a lot of season two. It is a lot of season two. How far into Locke's daddy issues do we get in season two? Because that, I, I texted you this when you started season two, just that Locke is such a, like, real, not grounded, but like, dour character on the island. Mm-hmm. And his flashbacks become so wacky and zany. <laughs> he, he, he's, in that, he's in that relationship with Leela. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then... But but how how far into the dad stuff is do we get in season two? I, I just don't want to I don't want to blur any lines between seasons here. I know later in the season we see Anthony faking his death. So mm-hmm. at that point he's already <laughs> taken the kidney. He's faking his death. He's obviously a con man. <laughs> mm-hmm. And before before you find out that he's a con man, I believe is the one where like. Leela tells him that, like, you've got to stop going and camping outside of your dad's house. <laughs> yeah. And by Leela, you mean Helen. That's right. Leela. <laughs> yeah. She lives in a sewer, has one eye. and uh, Helen, who's voiced by Leela from Futurama. Yes. Leela from Futurama got a job voicing this <laughs> character in Lost. And we do get a little more of Hurley, too, because I mentioned, you know, the DJ Qualls episode where you get the flashbacks after he's won the lottery and, you know, they they quit the chicken job. And then you get into Hurley's relationship with Libby. And obviously that comes to a terrible end for him. And I feel like Hurley is one of those characters so far that even if he might screw something up, it's always kind of like in this goofy, innocent way, and he's never really trying to piss anyone off like everyone else on the show seems to be trying to do. Yeah, and most of his fuck-ups seem like they happen and you go, oh, poor Hurley at the end of it, which is yeah. interesting. Like, I think I think he's put in charge of rationing the food and that yeah. doesn't go well, right? Which we talked a little bit about, like, the not very fun uh, fat jokes uh, last episode. 
Oh, and they, yeah, and they only get yeah. worse. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But yeah, I I think we I think we're all still on the Hurley train. He's someone that I'm always there with. Yeah. You get an interesting look at his backstory in particular with the mental hospital because he starts seeing Dave in season two and Ooh. he's kind of losing his mind, but in a way where you feel bad for him, unlike with Charlie, where you were like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. The way that they present Dave is really interesting because although they they kind of touch on like Hurley being in in like a mental institution when he starts having like visions while on the island it's not like a super unbelievable thing like Shannon was having visions of Walt when he's like standing there dripping yeah you know dripping in that creepy Walt scene and Jack has seen Christian on the island yep yeah, Jackson. Yeah, correct. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is the way it's revealed? Is it we see Hurley talking to him on the island, and you kind of assume that it's a figment of his imagination? Then we see flashbacks of him talking to him in the mental institution, and then we find out that he's even a figment of his imagination there. Is that what it was? Yes. Okay. Yeah, but the slipper happened. There's the slipper scene where he physically where Dave's running away, and then Hurley grabs the slipper, and then he's like hiding the slipper from Libby. And then it turns out that there is actually a slipper. <laughs> and you get Libby's reveal, which is like slam dunk. <laughs> I yeah. love that. And the exact way that they reveal the information about Dave is one of the doctors comes in and takes a photo of Hurley. And it's like, we see him put his arm around Dave for the photo. And then we see the actual photo and no one's in the picture with him. Yeah. And I thought that was kind of a clever way to do that. Because then up until that point, you're kind of like, okay, well maybe Dave is just another patient at the mental hospital. And when you see Libby, like you said, Nick, it's just like, oh, okay. Do we get any Libby flashbacks in this then? I don't think we get any full Libby flashbacks. I think I thought all we got was just the one within Hurley's flashback. Yeah. And then we'll never know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause we don't get like Libby flashbacks till after she's like, she's been shot, but she's, she hasn't, die right away right no because what happened was hurley forgot the blankets for their picnic Mm -hmm. date so she went down to the bunker to get them and she was holding them and startled michael and then michael turned and accidentally shot her he only intended to shoot anna lucia which is what it is you know i wasn't particularly upset about that but it was weird for michael to go to such extremes because even though we talked about like why he did it it still felt weird for him to be the one to do it and then when he turns and shoots libby he hits her like right in the gut but she had the blankets covering so it took longer for her to die because it wasn't like a direct shot into her well it's also like uh is it the pilot in season one where where sawyer shoots him in like the lung and then it takes forever for him to die it's i don't know yeah I don't know where I was going with that. It takes people longer to die there. <laughs> but they heal faster. <laughs> yes. I, yeah, I don't know. It's not, I mean, it's not even doled out like it's, I'm going to kill you. It's it's panic. It's Right. It's a wrench in his, pan, in his plan and he doesn't know what the hell to do. Yeah. I'm not, a, I'm not a Michael apologist. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> I don't no, know no. why I'm it's, defending that. Totally understandable. <laughs> Look, it was an accident. Sometimes you shoot two people. <laughs> when you only mean to shoot one. <laughs> 
I do want to quickly bring up Sawyer's past and we get a better look at some of the cons he's run. And this is where Kim Dickens comes into play as the woman he is dating and conning at the same time. Oh, that's that long con he does, right? Yeah. And I mean, we'll talk a little more about her in season three in particular, but it's fun to see these like guest appearances and then be like, okay, well, how long are they going to last in these flashbacks? <laughs> Especially with the people who, you know, were criminals. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, okay, so Kate's on the run. So most people in her flashbacks aren't going to be in them for very long. And, you know, I do want to note that her mom is played by Zelda from Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for that one. (laughs) I told you guys, I was like, I'm just going to have facts about all the other shows these people have been in. (laughs) Now, yeah, I've got to like translate any of your references to see if I know those people as well. (laughs) You just, anytime you mention an actor was in something, I'm like, I haven't seen that, but maybe I've seen them in something else. (laughs) Yeah, well, because not Henry was in the show I used to watch called Person of Interest, which was like a everybody big brother is watching you kind of thing but i saw him and i was like oh okay i don't think i'm gonna end up liking him in this (laughs) (laughs) even though i liked him in the other show i don't know why i just instantly thought that i was like i don't know about this guy (laughs) he's a gross little weasel in this show he is so i was at least on the right path with that and You know, are there any other characters or storylines you guys want to bring up before we dive into Desmond? Because Desmond wasn't in this season a ton, but his character is very fun, and I wanted to save him for last. Okay, let me... What have we not talked about? I mean, we could always dive deeper into Mr. Echo a little I we, yeah we glossed over that. I just I just want to put on the record that I love Mr. Echo's flashback. Yeah, I, yeah. Those are, those are some of my favorite episodes. I love those stories. Yeah, his character is just done really well. Like there there's so many characters that aren't done well throughout this show. Especially, well, we'll talk about yeah. season three in a little bit. <laughs> he gets flushed out more than everyone else who is new. It seems. Yeah, especially for somebody that has like that comes in like late into the show and ends very like it doesn't have a super long arc. I think that his is one of the most fleshed out like shorter arcs that you get. Yeah, taken by a warlord as a child because he's trying to protect his brother, then coming back and yeah, making becoming a priest and uh, it's it's also good. Yeah, and he's also important just due to the like the first episode is called what man of, man of science man of faith and and mm-hmm. Echo's definitely like there to really push the boundaries of like the man of faith side of things even more so than than Locke is cuz at least Locke is a little skeptical where Echo's just like I'm all in no matter what. Yeah, it's almost yeah, it's almost like the concept behind his arc was going to be how let's take another swing at Locke because you you don't really get in Locke's backstory that he would be I mean maybe you maybe you can understand the spiritualism but this this is straight up religion it's you know mm-hmm. a personality a, a not a personality a uh, a persona that he took on for ulterior motives and then 
a couple large events right before the cl- crash and then the crash just make him think you know what if this is the real what if this is the truth what if it is what if i've been a monster and he goes on that vow of silence and mm-hmm. and all that mm-hmm. and all that good stuff he's a character who is wanting to do his own thing but is still wanting to help as many people as he can on the island yes yeah it's an island of people who are haunted by their past but really is anybody more than him yeah he his his past it seems like it's the most believable motivation too why can't i remember his brother's name yemi it's like yemi thank you yeah yemi like the way the way that yemi's portrayed throughout it too and like his visions of yemi it's just done so well I think Mr. Echo feels the most guilt out of everyone, too. Yeah. Yeah. And that really drives his story. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it, it, you see it's brought on from a super young age. Mm-hmm. Far younger than Locke was when Locke started feeling that. <laughs> <laughs> Locke was a 50-year-old man. I know. Trying to get his dad to love him. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, you've got the, the big guilt backstories in... Sawyer and Kate are still, I mean, those characters still feel righteous in, in their goals. Mm -hmm. And it it seems like, it seems like uh, Mr. Echo has lost all of that. And it's, it's just, it's just all guilt. Yeah. And you also have the fact that even though there's some guilt with Kate, it's like she was justified in what she did. Exactly. Sawyer, not so much. But he thinks he was. Right. That's what I think the big difference is between the characters. Regardless of if the viewer thinks they were, the, the, the character thinks they were. Yeah. Sawyer's interesting. Because even when he does redeemable things, like, I feel like, I mean, at least this early on, it's like, it's still, you still are just like, oh, he did something nice. No, remember, remember, like, just a few episodes ago when he was just totally just a racist? <laughs> like. Yeah, as far as series-long arcs, Sawyer's got a great one. But this early on, he's still just like, well, you got to have this guy on the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and Sawyer's arc becoming good is, to me, it, eh, we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> but w- we talked about last time a little bit of the trifecta of friendship that is still kind of in place at the beginning of this season that I really like, that is Jin, Michael, and Sawyer. We talked about the others, but just the beginning of the season, the second episode where it's them washing up back on the island and then getting kidnapped with what they thought was the others and then it being the tail section. But I, I, I still just love the dynamic between those three or two of those in any combination. The Sawyer Jin is very fun for me. Yeah. Jin and anyone is fun for me. That's true. Touche. <laughs> because the, the yeah. only thing that's not fun, I still like watching it, but the, the antithesis of fun is uh, Jin and Sun's dad. <laughs> oh, <good. laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. I feel like the thing with Jin on the island, and, and like every once in a while, Jin will like just reveal, like, oh, this person's my friend. Like, Jin will just be like, Michael, friend. <laughs> and you're just like yeah you guys are friends but like i don't know i'm just like you guys are building the art you guys are building the boat together but like michael the way that michael talks to Jin, michael's like still kind of talks down Jin, even when they're doing 
boat related things it seems yeah mm-hmm. and so i'm just like Jin, wh- why does your loyalty lie there i don't understand <laughs> you can you yeah. can even if you don't understand what what michael's saying you, you can tell that he sounds condescending <laughs> yeah yeah well shall we discuss desmond if you insist i i i i we talked about the great opening of the season i always think of that reveal as part of the first episode but it's not such a good doling out of it mm-hmm. the paranoia the, the i don't know deanna do you want to talk about the the uh story that he's been fed of why he's why he's down there yeah so basically from what I gathered is that he got to the island and he was told that he had to do this very important thing that required typing in a code every 108 minutes. Therefore, he apparently can never sleep a full night, which I was like, that sounds terrible. You can only sleep for like, what, an hour and a half at a time? And that might be pushing it. No, thank you. Because bad things will happen if you oversleep, Desmond. We don't want that. So he's got his routine, like you guys said, at the beginning of the season, and we don't see his face. And then we see him and he's just like, bye. (laughs) And I loved it. He just dips. So when do we get his flashback? Is that the end of the season? Well, he doesn't return until episode 23. Which is when Jack finds him. Uh, It's not just Jack, but there's the moment where they open up the, they're, they're on the boat they get to Desmond's boat and they open up the uh like again another hatch what do you call that for a boat <laughs> and and Desmond's just like sitting down there drunk with a gun so he thinks that when when Locke and Co go down the the hatch he thinks you are my replacements i'm fucking out of here right yep and so he gets on his boat and leaves and then at the end of the season his you find out his boat didn't make it very far. His he's boat can't here. get out of here. And yeah, he's, he's there. He's drunk. He's laughing about it. He he knows this island. <laughs> but isn't this also the first time that you find out that Desmond and Jack know each other? Because Desmond looks up and he's like, "You," or Jack looks down and says, "You." One of the two of them says, "You." In the first episode, you know that they've met. Oh yeah, but they you... they don't they haven't seen each other again yet. Right. Since they true. No, no, no. Because. Locke, because Locke goes down at the beginning. And, and Desmond dips. Well, no, cause, cause not Desmond, exactly. Desmond's holding gunpoint. Yeah. And then it's you're not until totally episode right. two that, that I think Jack goes down and that's the reveal that they know each other. Yeah, you're totally right. It's uh, I, the, the moment that I'm thinking of. Sorry, I just watched this. It's when <laughs> it's it's when he just says you again. <laughs> that, that's what yeah. it is. Yeah. So because that is a reveal because it's like. Holy shit! There's a boat. Let's go see who it is. Yeah. And it's still Desmond, <laughs> and it's like, yeah. God damn it! From everybody involved, like yeah. I'm still at the island. It's still just you. <laughs> yeah, sorry <laughs> the boat for my isn't gonna save us if it couldn't get you away. Yeah, I should have yep. specified after he determined they were not a threat to him. He was like, "All right, bye. You guys have fun." Totally. What else? Yep. Oh man. But do we get do we get the the Desmond arrival story in this season? The yeah, you get like why he does it. What well, like like the the story of when he arrives. I'm trying in case in case we haven't gotten it. I just want to make sure. I don't have any notes on that. I just have him being the one in the hatch in episode two. He 
pieces out and then he returns in episode 23. I don't see anything about his flashbacks in particular because we got so many with Locke this season. Okay, I, I yeah. just I just looked it up. It, it, it's the finale of it's the finale. Um, his flashback is the episode with Kelvin right? on the boat. Yeah, so he so he arrives because he's on that um, that boat race around the world, and he gets washed up onto the island. Yeah. Then he finds Kelvin, who's like in a hazmat suit, and thinks that he's his replacement, and uh, teaches him all about the hatch, about the code, about the computer, and every day he goes, uh, Kelvin goes out in this hazmat suit. Yeah. And it turns out he's he. It turns out the has he knows that the hazmat suit doesn't do anything. He's going out to like fix Desmond's ships to leave. Yeah, um, yeah, because he notices like a hole in the suit that yeah. would render it yeah. useless. And but Desmond is like, I don't have a hazmat suit. Guess I got to stay in the hatch and punch in, punch in everything while this guy goes out. Yeah. and does whatever all day. I do love a good Clancy Brown appearance, though. Yeah. <laughs> what What do you know Clancy Brown from? What, what Yeah, do I, I just want to know something. <laughs> Mostly Stephen King stuff. Oh, heck yeah. Because he is in Pet Cemetery 2, <laughs> which I definitely cannot recommend. He's in Shawshank Redemption. Oh. Sometimes death is better. Which I can oh. recommend. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, oh, man. He was one. He was several of the dragons in the PlayStation game Spyro the Dragon. <laughs> That's where I knew him from. That's why he sounded familiar. Oh, my God. He's uh, Mr. Krabs. Oh my God, he is Mr. Krabs. <laughs> He's Mr. Krabs in SpongeBob. Yeah, you're totally right. Kelvin is Mr. Krabs. Wow. Sorry, Dan. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, I I told you guys. I was like, you know, I host a Stephen King podcast, so I'm gonna notice all of the Stephen King people and references. Which it's funny how much Stephen King comes up in this show because I I think there's at least some mention of him in season three as well. I gotta think that both JJ and Lindelof are huge Stephen King guys. Well, I think JJ did the Castle Rock show on Hulu, so that would track. Oh, oh they're oh they're big they're big King fans. I can only hope that Stephen King likes Lost as well. I've been making a list. Checking it twice? I have been checking it. Actually I haven't yet, but I will. Um of every Stephen King reference that I can find throughout Lost. Wow. Just to do it, and also because it feels relevant, because this is Deanna's world, and I'm just talking about Lost in it. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I thought I remembered a connection, and I Wikipedia'd it to make sure I was right. J.J. Abrams and Damon Lindelof were both in talks to do the film adaptation of The Dark Tower back in 2007. Oh my god. If only we got that movie Man. instead. That was in that was in talks since 2007 and of course it came out everybody loved it. It's a huge cultural touchstone. And I will note that not Henry gives us the first Stephen King reference when he oh. is given one of the books while he's locked up in the armory and he's like you don't have any Stephen King kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, amazing. Well guys, is there anything else you want to touch on? We didn't talk too in-depth about the hatch because i think one of the other big things was you know Locke making a very terrible decision at the end there 
Oh, oh, yeah. We didn't talk about um, letting it count down and the map and all the black light stuff. And the big doors and his legs getting crushed. Yeah, I think we do need to dive into the hatch a little more before we go here. Great. Yeah. And Nick, you mentioned earlier that it's this resource for them, but it's also still a mystery to them as well. Because you look at the computer equipment and you're like, okay, most of this has been here since probably the 80s. Just Mm -hmm. judging by that, the records they have, the books they have. You know, there were some Stephen King books in the 80s, quite a few. So not Henry is not inaccurate to want a Stephen King book. But (laughs) we, at the time, don't really know where any of this stuff is coming from. And you have that video that they watch, and they're just like, what is this? You know, I think it's Locke and Jack who watch it, and Locke wants to watch it again. Oh, the orientation video. I love the orientation video. (laughs) Yeah. What do we think of the blacklight stuff that is hidden on the door that crushes Locke? So it it seemed like we were building towards this. It's the, the huge... How could what we are doing here have any effect on anything? How could punching in these numbers every 108 minutes have any effect on anything? It, it, there's, it's so logical that we're going to build towards we are not going to push this, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I I love it. I love the meltdown. Uh, good, old, good old lost. It doesn't give you it, it, they go meltdown and you go okay so the only answer we're given is that something happens when you don't press it in but it it gives you six more mysteries to solve in the, the map and what is happening and why still why do we need to push it it's just just perfect few seasons of first few seasons of lost we're going to give you six mysteries for every answer we give you yeah that doesn't really ever stop either but lovely this is what i'm in for oh you have no idea like uh season three is still tame in comparison to (laughs) what we're diving into (laughs) so i have a question for you guys Mm -hmm. how many times are they going to destroy Locke's legs (laughs) how many oh man (laughs) I have such a good answer to this question, but it is it is the it is such a spoiler, so I'm just not gonna answer. <laughs> That's fair. But yeah, I think their use of the hatch is pretty good because there's this mystery behind it, but also it's helpful to them. So a lot of the people who come and go, you know, Rose does a lot of the laundry. You have Libby coming mm-hmm. and getting blankets and doing her laundry, Hurley doing his laundry, and None of those characters really question anything about the hatch other than like, okay, it's kind of weird that this thing is here. And you guys, we talked about Hurley going in and looking at all of the food and sort of taking an inventory, which he did with Rose. And they're just like, oh, it's, you know, Rose is like, it's something to do. I'm fine with this. And then you have Locke (laughs) and Michael who really try to figure things out michael more so just so he can use the computer but with Locke, he's just curious about everything because obviously the island wants him to be but he does get very annoying about his curiosity yes yeah that's that's what i was getting at with the he he wants to solve this mystery 
regardless of what that will give him or the cost to everybody around him. It's, it is all consuming for him. It's almost like he's trying to be the Sherlock of the island. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't always seem to go very well for him. <laughs> no. Yes. His legs had to get crushed one more time, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one more time. At least. So just we've briefly talked about it, but the orientation makes it clear that there is some sort of this hatch stems from some sort of settlement called the Dharma Initiative. That's all the food is labeled Dharma. Uh-huh. The food appears to still be being dropped. They, they seem to be getting new shipments of stuff. It's, I mean, I, I just feel like that's worth talking about if we're talking season two. <laughs> yeah, because in episode 15, this is where Claire starts to remember what was happening to her when she was taken, mm. which is another important detail we have yet to talk about. And she was taken to a medical bunker, basically. And it's like, she is getting these horrific flashbacks. It really feels like something out of a horror show, mm-hmm. which obviously I love. <laughs> <laughs> her and her like uh, kind of confused, drugged out state when she's living with the goofiest named character in the show, Ethan Rom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That, that episode is kind of, kind of like a hard, it's it's so creepy. Yeah. There's the plot line that has been there since season one about whatever others there are on this Island being obsessed with children and especially unborn children. That, that episode really takes that and makes it, even more terrifying than it has been. I know, I know. Yeah. It was a very good moment for Claire to shine in this season, though, even though it's obviously not enjoyable for her to be doing this. Yeah. I think that's all I have on season two. It's really hard because for anyone listening to this, Shane and I have already finished rewatching season three. So my brain is like, wait, can't talk about these things yet. And Nick, you obviously know as well as Shane what happens in all six seasons so I imagine it's a little harder for you guys but I think we're eventually going to get on a schedule here where when Shane and I finish this season we'll probably be recording a little closer to when we finish them yeah it's really hard to slow down season four right now but <laughs> that's okay we, we haven't talked about how the season ends which I, we fell into that trap last week I mean last week last time about kind of just going like anyway season one and not talking about the ending so we should talk about we should talk about michael taking the list of names to the others yes the people on the list of names to the others because this is when we see not henry keep his word and michael and walt do get to leave Mm -hmm. but we also get Locke doing Locke things you know we we touched on this briefly Locke making terrible decisions and Desmond returns, which is good because things go boom. <laughs> Big boom. But goodbye but we, hatch. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we get we get Michael taking Jack and Kate and Sawyer and Hurley to the others. Mm-hmm. There's a big a big confrontation with them and they let Hurley go back with a warning to the rest of the group. And 
and it leaves it leaves you with the main characters in custody of the by the others. It's 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 wild that we haven't talked about that until now. I do want to say the cliffhangers are very well done on these seasons. Yeah, because it, it leaves you with that, and then you get like another cliffhanger when the the, the very 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 end of the season where Desmond you turns the key. To, is that the end of season three? Season two. Really? Desmond turning the key? Yeah, because he That's comes back two? and John's like barricaded himself in the hatch after the explosion. I was talking about the the woman it pans to with the I think we found it. Penny. Yeah. Yeah. Who's been mentioned before? We already know a Penny. Right. And then, yeah, and then the ending scene with them and, yeah. And it, what is it, Antarctica? I don't know what order anything happens in. I just know all of these things happen at the end. Yeah, this is the very last scene. The very last scene is when it's the two people in, like, an, they're, like, clearly on a boat in the Arctic. Yes. And then they see something going off on a computer, and then they call somebody, and that person ends up being Penny. And they're like, we think we found it. Were they in a boat? I thought they were in a plane for some reason. I think it's a boat. In my head, they're in a boat. A boat makes sense. Yeah, and they're, like, playing chess. Because... Maybe I'm thinking it's a boat because of the whole season three thing, but I'm pretty sure it's a boat. I'm pretty sure Penny does have a boat. That would make sense. Yeah. Especially since she knows that Desmond was on a boat. Yes. So much more to come in season three, guys. But a lot happened in season two. Yeah. This is this is still snowballing. We've got so much more to talk about. We're like barely into the into the deep lore of this whole show yeah i'm already getting seasons confused and really trying my best not to spoil (laughs) so that's that's why i'm being cagey with these season end things yeah it's okay i appreciate it i am trying to take better notes as i go because so many different flashbacks happen like With Locke, the flashbacks all kind of blended together in season two, even though they didn't all happen in consecutive episodes. Yeah, that's that's was the main reason I asked about Locke's flashbacks, because, oh, boy, the dad stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, here's my last thought. I think you guys ever just feel like this show is about a bunch of people trying to impress not only their own dads, but other people's dads. Yes. Just feel like this is a bunch of dad impressing. Do we know what uh, JJ and Lindelof's uh, relationship with their fathers is like? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> yeah, because you got you got you got Jack's dad, you got Locke's dad, you got Kate and her stepdad, Jin and son's dad. Yeah, Jin and son's dad. There's a lot of it's just a, it's a bunch of dudes either trying to impress their own dads or trying to impress the love of their life's dads. Well, I have some info for you guys. JJ's mm-hmm. father was a television producer, so maybe he was trying to impress him. Maybe. Maybe I'll create loss and you'll finally love me. Oh, man, maybe he looks not. so much like J.J. Abrams. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, I am sure we probably missed something again, as I tend to do, but... Shane, Nick, <laughs> thank you for joining me to talk about Season 2 of Lost. Thanks again. Thank you. Uh, we will be back and probably tiring, much like the later seasons of Lost. Uh-huh. Sounds about right. <laughs> and I, I'm still sad that Becky couldn't be here, but of course she's in her basement pressing a button every 108 minutes. <laughs> couldn't do it. And Richard is sailing around the world. Yes. <laughs> Richard, Richard's going to come up in a later season. He's not there yet. <laughs>
Truth. <laughs> All right, everyone, that does it for this episode of Welcome to Geekdom. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so through our Patreon. You can sign up for a dollar a month. That'll get you a thank you on the show. $2 a month, you get to pick a topic that myself and a guest will discuss on the show. For $5 a month, you can join the Welcome to Geekdom Slack group, where you can talk to myself and various guests who have been on the show. If you want to follow us on socials, you can do so at GeekdomPod on Twitter and at Welcome to Geekdom on Instagram and Facebook. And as always, thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.